Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Psalm 44, 45, and 46. Verse 1 of 44 says, Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us. What deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You know, this is a powerful start to this psalm because... This is a people group that had not seen God move with their own eyes. This is penned by the sons of Korah. And in their day, they had yet to see a significant move of God. Now, God is always working and moving, but sometimes it's behind the scenes. And sometimes it's on center stage, but He's always working. And we enjoy greatly the seasons on center stage underneath the spotlight those are amazing and then there's other times where we're we're looking ahead towards the stage and there is nothing happened but we trust that behind those curtains is an incredible amount of preparation and uh, we are to just allow the anticipation to build because the longer the waiting is the greater the performance of God is going to be, okay? The greater the move is going to be. And, and so they were in a time of waiting and, and, and anticipating. And they were faithful only based on the testimonies that they had heard. That's pretty incredible. But that should also commission us fathers and mothers to take the testimonies and the moves of God that we've witnessed in our days and pass them on to our children. For, for centuries, this was the primary uh, discipleship tool was just fathers to sons, fathers to daughters, mothers to sons, mothers to daughters. This was how faith was, was developed. Was, it was passed down from generation to generation. And Satan, our enemy, knows this. And so I think even greater than his attempt to divide our churches is to divide our families. And, this, and there are so many families who are literally separated, even physically, father from son, mother from daughter. You know, I mean, I, I, I know my own personal testimony and I can think of so many others. I mean... How many people do you even know? Honestly, just think about this for a second, church, and let's kick the devil in the teeth this morning. 
How many people do you even know who can say, I grew up with my birth father in my home for all 18 years of my childhood? Come on, how many people can even say that? I can't. And I don't know very many people who can. And we think the enemy doesn't have something to do with this. And we're not going to get into the fact that the small percentage of people that could raise their hand to that, you know, had a father that was complacent. Or they had a father that was ungodly. They had, they had a father that was a slave to his work. And he, was, he never moved out of the house. Yet me and mom never really saw him. Except for on the weekend, you know, I mean, it, when, it, when he was drinking beer, watching football. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is the enemy's tactic because faith is passed down generationally. And if you're a father or you're a mother and you feel as though sometimes you don't know what your calling is, I'm going to tell you, that's your calling. Fathers, it's to tell your, to your, your next generation, your children of how good God is. Because they need to know how good He's been to you before they ever see it for themselves. Right? They need to see. They need to hear our testimonies to them. Mothers, to your sons and daughters. You know, the Bible mentions Timothy. Paul writes two letters to him. It's understood that Timothy's, Timothy's faith was inherited by his mother and his grandmother. Because of how well they told him of God's goodness and taught him of the law and taught him of the faithfulness of old. This is a responsibility. Timothy goes on to be one of the most incredible men of God of his time. But where did he get his faith from? From his mama. Right? Isn't that funny? We look look at our kids and we go, oh, he got my eyes and oh, she got my hair and, and... that's cute, right? It's genetics are interesting that way. They're fascinating to us, right? But why don't, I'm going to go a step deeper and go, I'm going to give her my faith. Mm. I want to teach him my joy. I want to I, I I show them my salvation, right? That, 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 that should be what we desire more than anything. And so this is a people that are hanging on for God to move. And all of their faith has just been inherited from the generation ahead of them. And they've yet to see Him move for themselves. Yet in verse 8, they say, In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to Your name forever. And then verse 9 takes a turn because they hadn't seen anything. (laughs) But You have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn turn back the foe, turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten the spoil. They, they hadn't seen anything with their own eyes, but yet we've heard of how good you've been, and we trust that you'll be good again, right? So, so life isn't always beautiful and fancy and sexy all the time, right? And so our children don't need to go into their teenage years and into their adult years waiting to see God's goodness for themselves and and hinging upon whether or not they do, whether or not they'll believe, right? They need to already have 
a, 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 a predisposition. They should already know how good God's been. Because that gives them the faith to endure seasons where God is working behind the scenes. Right? And so that's what this, that's what this generation is doing. And, 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 and it didn't make them, they, they were frustrated, but it doesn't make them turn back. 17 says, all this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, though nor, nor have our steps departed from your way. You know, so they already had inherited their faith. Whether their eyes could see it or not was irrelevant. But of course they're frustrated in their flesh because they're, they're saying, Hey God, could you, could you do a little bit of that old stuff? That old stuff was, man, we, the stories are just, could you, could you do that again? Because we're getting slaughtered out here, right? But I love their humility. This is always the response when we don't understand what God is doing. We always look inwardly first. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would God not discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So the first place that they look is humility and they look within themselves. So they're not experiencing any success, right? And before they blamed God, they actually looked at themselves inwardly and they all felt as though they were righteous. And so they took this case before the Lord. A lot of times people don't like where their life is and they go to immediately blame God and and the majority of the time, I mean, I hate to, I wish I could give you a percentage, but I just can't. But I'd say the majority of the time, people's difficulties in their life are caused by their, by their unrighteousness, or they're caused by their poor decision, their, their lack of wisdom, their lack of seeking the Lord's wisdom and what they're doing. And then they want to blame God for it. And we see that. That's really consistent in Scripture. Okay, most of the time, Israel's um, downfall was their own doing. Okay. And they wanted to shake their fist at God instead of look inwardly. But this people here, they're saying, this hasn't been working. We looked inwardly. We're, we're just before you. And so now we're asking God, would you move? This is the correct response. I look inwardly first. And then if I still feel as though that I'm, I'm just and I'm righteous in what I'm doing and the choices that I'm making then I can go and take this to the Lord. Does that make sense, the pattern of it, of how, of how they went about this? Okay? And, of course, we're not going to talk too much about trials because I, I think we've, I think we dwelled in Job for a month well enough to hopefully understand that sometimes we just go through things and it's just God's good plan to do so. And we have to endure. Right? And so they were in a time of enduring. But during the enduring, we look inwardly first. Oh God, search me, examine me, point out anything that's offensive in me. You know, what, is there anything you're trying to produce in me from this season? Do it, do it, do it, do it. Right? And then I'm like, okay, now would you, would you do what you used to do? Could you be who you used to be? Because I'm, I, I, I need you to move. Right? That's the pattern there. Okay, I've talked a long time about 44, but it excited me. Psalm 45. This is a beautiful psalm. It, um, this is a what we call a um, messianic psalm because this is addressed to the king, and the king would have been 
David or Solomon or we don't exactly know, but someone down the king's um, lineage. But we know that it's addressed to David's true lineage, which is Jesus. So this is a psalm to Jesus. So this is a beautiful psalm. And it's a, it starts off, it's split. It's half to the king, Jesus, and it's half to the bride, which is us. It's half to the church. Um, my heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. And, he, you know, the, the psalmist is going on. And, Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. From ivory, from ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Right? So it's just depicting the, the tremendous glory of King Jesus. And then it's inviting the, the daughter or the bride to, to uh, uh, bow to him, desire his beauty, to seek after him. Okay, and, uh, and and so it's just this it's just this marriage scene, and uh, it's just it, it's beautiful. It's really an invitation uh, to salvation. Honestly, it's a, it, because it's a depiction of the glory and the beauty of King Jesus, and then how King Jesus views his bride, and then the invitation that they that they are now one. And then uh, it goes on to say, "I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever." Just a promise there at the end. And then Psalm forty six. Um, which is just like one of those psalms, man. Top 10 psalms. Just amazing. It's all highlighted in my Bible. Um, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Amen. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains trembling at its swelling. Right? So just this amazing start, and it's got to pause there. It's just saying, hey, no matter what happens, I'm standing on the rock. I'm in the cave. I'm in the refuge, the stronghold of God. He'll protect me from all things. No matter what happens, I won't fear. Because there is a river. There is a river. Yep. Whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. It's talking about uh, when it says her, it's talking about the city of Israel. It's talking about God's people. God is in the midst of the church. God is in the midst of Israel. God is in the midst of his children. That's, that's what her is there. So she shall not be moved. When God is in me, nothing can move me. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Sorry, I just had to read the whole psalm for you there because it's just so powerful by itself. But this is just a, this is just a reminder that I have no reason to ever fear. I won't be afraid of anything. There is a river that is flowing for those of us who know God that gives us gladness in the midst of any trial or any season. As long as God is in me, nothing can overtake me. And if I ever were to feel as though I were trembling or shaking or fearful, 
I would need to be still and remember again who He is. And in the remembrance of who He is again, right, then, my, then I'm exalted. Okay? 100% of the time when fear overtakes you, you've forgotten how big God is. 100% of the time when anxiety is crippling you, you, you have dethroned God. Just for a time. We all do it. We have forgotten that He is on the throne of my life and there is nothing to fear. And that He is in control of all things. And He breaks the bow and He bends the spear and no weapon formed against me will prosper. But it takes intentionality in our busy, loud, crazy world to actually be still, get into His presence, quiet the racing of your mind and the beating of your heart, and remember again that He is God.